welcome back to another exciting episode of Life Family Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be in the palatial studios of Right to Life of Central California. Thankful to my good buddy, John Girardi, the executive director, for hosting me again today. Always glad to do it. Thanks for both co-hosting and hosting hosting. There you go. Um, I, I, I do my part. I appreciate it. It's it's nice when you are a when you're a vagabond, a, a nomad traveling hither and yon across the, the state. Plain. There you go. And the fruited plain. Yeah, even back to DC or in this place case, if you are listening to this, uh, it is it is actually possible through the wonders of technology because we are secretly pre recording this show. We're we're actually recording it live if you're watching us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash California Family. But if you are listening to it on the radio, then you are actually hearing a pre-recorded show because I am in the Holy Land. I am in the land where Jesus walked. I'm somewhere right now as we speak, actually probably about to so board a Italy? plane. That's right. Yeah. Oh, no. It's in Jerusalem. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the Midwest because that's when Jesus came back and preached to the Native Americans and, you know. Oh, are yeah, we? No, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Mormonism. Yeah, for the 13th yeah. tribe of Israel exactly. or whatever it was. The yeah. last tribe. Okay. The Nephi, Nephi and the, okay, uh, we're going to be right, very careful. Moving right along. We're not, we're not mocking anybody's religion. We're just, uh, we're just having a little bit of lighthearted fun. Uh, I am actually in today, as you listen, if you're listening on Monday the 20th, I'm in Israel. I, I'm probably actually just about to board a plane to come back home, but I've been privileged this last week to participate with a group from the American Israeli Education Foundation, a bunch of other Politico types from around the country that are back there. So if you are watching this live, however, we want to talk about uh, as we say in the description, Joe Biden's many positions on the Hyde Amendment. Yes. <laughs> as many positions taken within two days. Um, it's really fascinating to me. I've been following some of the discussion on this. And um, we wanted to talk about this, John, because I think it goes to show... I want to be very careful. Because first off, blah, 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 standard disclaimer. Neither Right to Life Central California nor California Family Council engages in uh, direct political uh, activism. We do not endorse candidates. We do not oppose candidates. We only provide information for educational purposes. Um, we've had lots of discussions on the show in the past about our frustrations and concerns with many Republican uh, politicians. Yes. Issues with President Trump. Issues with former Governor Schwarzenegger. Uh, all, all sorts of frustrations and, and issues with uh, different positions that people have taken. I could, for example, John, if, if we were going to go into our displeasure with Republican politicians, I could talk about how incredibly disappointed I am that Elise Stefanik, who is a young, up-and-coming, rising star in the GOP. Until Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was elected, she was the youngest elected member of the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. A 31-year-old pro-life Republican woman from the state of New York voted for, voted for, no, she's still pro-life, but she voted for the Equality Act, H.R. 5. Oh. And basically would, which would essentially enshrine bans in conversion therapy, into law across the country. It'd be a nationwide superseding yeah. of that. It would be a nationwide, uh, SOGI, a sexual orientation, gender identity, uh, uh, ban that would ban any sort of discrimination, quote unquote. I'm extremely disappointed. She was one of only eight Republicans that flipped 
on the position. She ignored the concerns of constituents and the broader conservative movement. So I could talk about all of that. Yes, we, all right. we, we are equal opportunity offenders, John. There you are whiners. Whiners. We can even we can even of course complain about independents who have no political party like Bernie Sanders and all the crazy stuff he does. Anyway. But today we want to talk about Joe Biden. I see, John, you have a tweet from March for Life Action Up. Would you like to read this timeline? Yeah. So let's chart Joe Biden's positions on the Hyde Amendment. Now, the Hyde Amendment, for those who don't know, this is a rider that gets attached to the federal budget every year, and it basically prohibits any federal taxpayer dollars from directly paying for abortion through various federal health care programs, most importantly, Medicaid. Okay. So here is Joe Biden's series of positions on the topic. 1980s Joe Biden. I'm pro-life. 1988 through the 2000s. Abortion is okay, but taxpayers shouldn't pay for it. June 3rd, 2019. Taxpayers should pay for abortion. June 5th, 2019. Taxpayers shouldn't pay for abortion. June 7th, 2019. Oh, wait. I meant taxpayers should pay for abortion. So he... Uh, he, his uh, his head is stopped spinning. His head has been spinning so fast that I was hoping it would be facing the right way uh, by the end of it all. But it appears that uh, at the end of it, he is facing the wrong way. Yes. And John, I want to explain something. We're going to read uh, several tweets about this. I have seen lots of discussion from my friends and uh, family members about this. The, the thing that is key... For people to understand is why the Hyde Amendment exists at all. Why why was this such a big deal? Going back to the the annals of time, uh, why was it such a big deal that there was this compromise? Well, for one thing, Roe v. Wade sort of happened, and overnight we went from a nation with some of the most uh, restrictive abortion laws in the world to a nation with the most liberal abortion laws in the world. And liter- liberal, literally liberal overnight. In the sense, yeah, literally overnight and liberal in the sense of totally permissive. Uh, any abortion at any point of pregnancy for any reason was now legal. And this was a major change as it relates to healthcare in this country. And any federal statute that was paying for, quote, healthcare services was by default also paying for abortion. And people were not comfortable with that. Voters were not comfortable with that. Taxpayers were not comfortable with that. Even uh, pro-choice legislators were not exactly comfortable with that. Uh, They thought, okay, well, maybe people should have the right to pay for abortion, but not everyone should be forced to pay for it with taxpayer dollars. Maybe it's something where we shouldn't wade in. So this compromise was struck called the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment, named after the late Congressman Henry Hyde, put this big restriction on federal funding for abortion. And because of it, because of this restriction of federal funding, there are some people who estimate that some 2 million people are alive today who would not have been because uh, they were not aborted. And had federal funding been present, there people estimate, you know, as, as much as you can, people estimate that there would have been 2 million more abortions in this country over the last 40 years. So the Hyde Amendment has was really... In the whole history of legalized abortion in America, the Hyde Amendment has probably been the single most important legislative accomplishment that pro-lifers have had. Uh, It's basically put a limit on federal taxpayer dollars from paying for abortion. Now, it doesn't limit state governments from paying for abortion. California 
directly pays for abortion in the Medi-Cal program. Um, a number of other states do the same, but at the very least, there was always this restriction on federal funding. And the Democratic Party has changed over the last 10 years, especially as it relates to the Hyde Amendment, to a point where now it's the official party policy to oppose the Hyde Amendment. It's an, it's an official part of the party platform. And, uh, and John, yeah. I think it's important. The fact that not only Joe Biden opposes it, but the fact that it is now an official part of the party platform is something that is, in theory at least, it should be disastrous for Democrats. Because should be a, a week ago, I was in, or when you're listening to this, two weeks ago, I was in uh, Washington, D.C., and I appeared on the Eternal Word Television Network. Hey, EWTN. Jonathan Keller, going on Catholic TV. That's right, you know, going to, going to evangelize the masses. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to stick that in there. Um, but I was, uh, the, the host Lauren Ashburn was there, and in the green room, uh, before I went on, I met one of the other guests on the segment, who was Kristen Day. Kristen Day is the president of Democrats for Life of America. There we go. Um, she's Catholic. Uh, she is a Democrat and supports many Democratic positions on things like universal health care, on things like uh, paid family leave, on fa things like, I think, universal pre-K and all, all these different types of issues. She universal is a Democrat. Universal pre-K is a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. Um, but there, there's all these types of issues that... Uh, the reason I bring them up is to say that she is not a secret Republican no. in Democrats clothing no. who's trying to pretend that she's a Democrat. No, she's a no. registered Democrat. She she has voted fairly consistently for Democrats. I didn't ask her who she voted for in 2016, but mm -hmm. I'd not be shocked if she voted for Hillary. Um, they have been trying to recruit a pro-life candidate to run for the Democratic nomination. nomination. Mm -hmm. If only... For the <laughs> they purpose, could find one. <laughs> well, that, and that's the thing. Like they are having a hard time finding one, and I think their goal is to say, "Look, we realize that a candidate like this may not actually win, but there's a lot of these fringe candidacies, John, on on the Democratic part left. Uh, Eric Swalwell, for example, is essentially running on more or less one issue, which is gun control. He is trying to become the Mr. Gun Control. Mr. Gun control. He he came out very strongly after the Parkland shootings last year. He is the gun control candidate. Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington state, is basically running. His only primary issue is environmental stuff. Yep. yep. Climate change. So uh, Andrew Yang is running on the platform of I'm Mr. Smart techie person. No circumcision is his platform. Oh, well, and and I, I do not actually joke. That is actually one of his <laughs> policy positions. And Beto O'Rourke is running on the one compelling position of yeah. yeah, no, no, that, no, no. John, John, he's running on a very specific platform, specifically the diner platform. So yeah, the, yeah, he, the, he's, he jumps he's on top on of the platform, he's standing on the platform. That's, that's a diner, platform. and that's his plat. And then yeah. any other high surfaces that he can stand on top he of can and perch squat, where yeah. he can perch. Uh, yeah, he's just trying to find himself, man. That's bro, right. bro, bro, bro. I was just born trying to be to, in it, man. Listen, man, he's just trying to find himself, man. It, oh my gosh, it's just it's wow. Beto works so cool. It's it, hey, we it, should talk about it on our bro podcast about oh, being a politic bro. Oh my gosh, bro, this is so cool. Uh, so more like the, Howard Schultz, more like Shower Fultz. <laughs> There is a there's a whole list of people on the Democratic side that are running for a hobby horse position. Yes. 
Why can't we have one with our hobby horse? Yes. Exactly. I mean, literally, you are up to, I think, either 23 or 24 candidates now. And what Kristen Day from Democrats for Life of America was saying was, look, we would love to find a candidate who would run and champion these issues. If nothing else, even if they're not going to win, they would at least bring a voice to the debate that no one else would be hearing. Well, and it's it's a large segment of the Democratic voting base who sort of disenfranchised on this issue. I mean, and, about, and I've heard that it's up to 25 to 35% of the Democrats who identify as pro-life. Right, exactly. And and they have basically every single candidate on the Democrat side has expressed support for abortion through all nine months of pregnancy and federal funding for abortion, yep. as far as I can tell. Yep. So uh, there's a big chunk of the Democratic Party that's kind of being left out right now. Uh, a huge chunk. And I think the question that we're going to have as we discuss in this show, uh, wh- where does this leave moderate people, independents or Democrats, looking at 2016 and generally, if the de facto position of the largest political party in the country is federal funding of abortion? We'll talk about that when we come back on Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. Happy to be with you today. I am your host, Jonathan Keller, in studio alongside my good buddy, John Girardi. Good to be here. Director of Right to Life Central California. Mm-hmm. And uh, John, I'm, I'm, I believe we're going to be playing this episode on the 17th, Monday the 17th. Okay. Uh, there is an event coming up this Thursday night. Yes. Uh, join us at the offices of Harris Construction, which is on Home Avenue in Fresno. Um, you can get the details at rtlcc.org. Uh, it's a community forum on new pro-life laws that are being passed throughout the country. Uh, sort of like our, we had a community of forum event like this um, a couple months ago after all the bad pro-choice laws were passed. So this is a really great opportunity to learn more about uh the new issues relating to abortion that are popping up all over the country. So uh, join us at the offices of Harris Construction. Again, this is a pro-life forum on uh, forum community forum on new pro-life laws, Thursday, June 20th at the offices of Harris Construction. So be there or be square. I am excited to come to that. Although, again, if you're listening to this on Monday the 17th, you know, you know I said in the first segment that I'm actually right now about to board a plane in Israel to come back and to return home. Uh, unfortunately, that means that I will, I will probably, be, John, be even less coherent than usual uh, in uh, talking yes. with you. <laughs> uh, yes, you'll probably be a little jet lagged. But, but I'll, I'll, okay. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Um, so, John, we, we're talking about a bunch of different stuff today, but one thing I really wanted to talk about is I think the, frankly, what I see is the electoral insanity of the Democrats' current position. Um, not that not that the Republicans are perfect on the pro-life issue by any means. Uh, in a in a prior show, uh, you and I talked about the issues of being excited that the Trump administration has um, defunded fetal tissue research. Right. But we think it's a good step, but that it does not go far enough. Yeah, that it, they're defunding fetal tissue research, but still have not defunded embryo, embryonic stem cell research. Right. Um, which is stem cell research that results in killing an unborn, an embryo, uh, taking an embryonic stem cell away. 
So it's a good step in the right direction. It, it's we're still not all the way there. Um, so all that to say, I, I I think it's it's good. We can we can talk about the positive uh, positives and negatives, but in this case, the the Democrat Party is I think going so far beyond the mainstream of American society that I I wonder how they hope to appeal to people of goodwill in any political party who identify as pro life. Um, I want to have you. This is a. Producer Raphael, we'll see if we can play this. This is audio from Joe Biden in 2007 on Meet the Press when he is asked about public funding of abortion. Uh, this is Tim Russert asking Joe Biden. Are you, are you still opposed to public funding for abortion? I still am opposed to public funding to abortion. And the reason I am is, again, it goes to the question of whether or not you are going to impose a view to support something that is not a guaranteed right, but an affirmative action to promote. Hey, there we go. Okay, pretty good. Pretty so, good there, Joe. Yep. And he essentially tries to say this is what uh, this is what Michael Ware, who is again a, a person I've met. I, I wouldn't say I'm friends with him, but I'm acquaintances with him. He worked for President Obama as a faith outreach director in the 2012 campaign. Uh, uh, he is a big defender. In fact, John, you may be interested to know because I've I've read some of the passages from Michael Ware. Uh, Michael Ware was largely behind the attempt to get President Obama to come and speak at Notre Dame. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> and that, the, Michael Ware, also the guy who was shocked, shocked at all of the different uh, attacks the Trump, the Obama administration then made against uh, religious employers who didn't want to pay for uh, contraception and abortion. Yes. Um, which, uh, you know, I guess he gets what he deserves. So anyway, regardless. So uh, this is what he said in response to this, t that tweet. And he, he tweeted this, uh, this audio from the Republican Party. This is uh, this is from the GOP uh, war room uh, that did that quote from Joe Biden. And Michael Ware tweets that and says, during his 2007 campaign, Biden says he supports Hyde because it's about, quote, not imposing your view, unquote, on the American people. Politically, this answer, I support Roe for the same reason I support Hyde, unquote, would have been a winning counter to Trump's demagoguery. Oh, well. <laughs> So you, go. you can tell that a lot of the people that even, again, worked in the Obama White House, so not not squishy secret Republicans, but people who affirmatively attempted to get President Obama reelected even after the HHS mandate, mm -hmm. those people think this is a disastrous move. Right. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I do think Hillary's extremism on the abortion issue cost her votes in 2016. I don't know how many. I don't know if that cost her more votes than, say, for example, um, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders voters who are still salty over Bernie Sanders losing. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm hopeful. I mean, I, I don't know the extent to which this is going to hurt Biden, but it, it's going to hurt him more than zero. Let, let, let me read, uh, a, a, again, a series of tweets. I know that much of uh, podcasting has just become reading tweets back and forth. But the, 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 I think this is very important that listeners understand why this is such a big debate. Um, two days ago, <laughs> uh, Joe Biden's national co-chairman, Rep Representative Cedric Richmond, went on Chris Cuomo's show, Cuomo Primetime, to defend Biden's support of the Hyde Amendment. And he says, quote, 
Biden, he, is a deeply religious man. He is guided by his faith. His position on the Hyde Amendment has been consistent. Okay, so, Less so than that was twenty four hours then, then, later. So so this was after the first this was the first flip flop and then he Yes he flipped back again. Yes. Yeah. Uh it, it it seems like his I mean if that's his how he's guided by his religious faith, it's uh, a little convenient how his religious faith seems to have undergone a major shift like twice the three times within the span of about forty eight hours. So this is David Harsanyi. Uh, who is a writer for The Federalist or an editor for The Federalist. He also is in The New York Post and NRO. He says, in 1976, Biden voted for the Hyde Amendment, a law banning federal funds to pay for abortion. In 1981, the, quote, Biden Amendment, unquote, to the Foreign Assistance Act banned any American aid from being used in research related to abortions. In 1984, Biden supported the Mexico City policy, which bans federal funding for private organizations that provide abortion advocate to decriminalize abortion or expand abortion services 1993 biden votes to save the hyde amendment 1995 and 97 biden voted for partial birth abortion bans that were vetoed by bill clinton way to go june 5th 2019 biden continues his 40-year support uh, for the hyde amendment june 6th twitter pushback to biden uh supporting the hyde amendment june 6th night joe biden caves and drops a 40-year position to appease progressives now supports taxpayer funded abortion from conception to crowning which is a fantastically graphic that's and a great way to talk about powerful it, yeah. way to put it yeah it, but it, no the dim party isn't moving hard left not at all and biden is a real rock-ribbed leader <laughs> and then he goes on let me read something else just a couple of other quotes this is from a profile of biden when he was 31 he was newly elected mm-hmm. this is david harsanyi continuing i don't like the supreme court decision on abortion i think it went too far um, I think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. Easily is. If I he, wouldn't even talk about it like that. No. Well, so then... <laughs> it seems a little... <laughs> so then this is this is the final two tweets in the thread, and then we'll go to break and we can come back and talk about it. Um, if you take a position of 46 years, you change your mind in one afternoon, you probably should have a pretty good explanation for why. Biden will make the argument that his experience matters, but if he was wrong about everything and admits it, then what does that experience mean? Yeah, experience is only so valuable. You know, if if your experience is in overseeing horrible, drastic failures, it's not worth much. And if you've completely changed your mind on something you've held for 46 prior years... I've been wrong for 46 years, but I'm right now. But I'm right now because I need to win this election. (laughs) Because Nayral told me to. Th- that is literally basically what the what the position of Joe Biden, the evolution of Joe Biden. And we're going to keep talking about this and other issues when we come back on Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. It's always good to laugh between the breaks when you see funny headlines on Twitter. There you go. That's good. All right. So, John, we've been talking a lot about Joe Biden. Why are we spending so much time on this? Because I really do think it is a big deal. Well, he's the front runner for the nomination, and yeah. he's beating Trump head to head in a bunch of states that Trump kind of needs to win, like Texas in some polls. Yep. So, yep. This is a big deal. And I think a large part of the reason why um, uh, Beto O'Rourke, for example, was able to get 1.8 points 
away from Ted Cruz, but not able to close the gap Mm -hmm. was because of the abortion issue. Yeah. I think there were a lot of people that were not huge fans of Ted Cruz's personal style or personality or different things. Facial hair. Yeah. Facial hair. I actually like the, the fact that his dad better. killed JFK. I well, mean, there's... I mean that, the fact that he's the fact that he's the Zodiac killer himself. That as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were willing to overlook all of that because of his pro-life bona fides. Exactly. So um, this is again, I'm reading a few more tweets. And I want to play a clip here. This is a, 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 a contributor for the Daily Wire, Harry Kacheri, Kachatrian, Kachatrian. Uh, Very Bi- Armenian. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that really that really works. <laughs> uh, in multiple, an Armenian in multiple guy, levels. An Armenian guy named Harry. Hey, Boy, the jokes just hey. write themselves. Man, this is you know it's a Fresno specific show. We love you, Armenians. That's right, we do. But boy, you yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> see you soon at lunch, Paul Haratunian, which is a real guy with a real name. So. Yes. Uh, Joe Biden held the same position on the Hyde Amendment for forty six years. He flipped on it in twenty four hours of fringe leftists attacking him. Just wait until the leftists get to his foreign policy views and Joe ends up endorsing a BDS, boycott, divest, sanction, and lifting all sanctions against Iran and Venezuela. Well, I mean, I guess it's possible. I mean, Biden has never exactly been like Mr. Moral or well, Mr. Principles. It's, it's, I mean, it's funny you say that, John, because David Axelrod actually has a position on this flip-flop. Okay, let's let's hear David Axelrod. We'll, we'll, this is this is uh, Life, Family, Liberty, the show where we read other people's thoughts. That's right. <laughs> so David get... Axelrod, former advisor to President yep. Trump, he was the Karl Rove of the Democratic Party. What James Carville was to Bill Clinton, Bingo. David Axelrod was to Barack Obama. And the the uh, this is the flip flop. This is from CNN's Bottom Line television show. The vast majority of the 2020 Democratic candidates are heading to Iowa this weekend, but frontrunner Joe Biden will not be there. The former vice president reversed course on a major issue that's very important to Democratic issues last night. He announced he no longer supports a ban on federal funding for abortions. We want to get the bottom line with CNN senior political commentator David Axelrod. David, since you've been with us, I've only known you to be incredibly kind uh, and gentle. With Democratic candidates. You, though, call what happened with the Biden campaign the last few days a mess. Explain. I will not uh, deal with the premise of your question. There are a lot of Democrats who complain that I haven't been gentle. But uh, look, I think that this was a parable about Biden that goes to question marks about his candidacy. He's been, he, his rollout was flawless, in my view, and he's had a very solid spring. But this underscores questions that people have had about whether he can go the distance. Uh, One, because the virtue of having a long record and comforting people and being a a figure of stability has the flip side, that you have to defend positions that you've had uh, over the course of 45 years in politics, some of which may have been uh, accepted. In, in the day and not acceptable. Now we see that on this issue of the Hyde Amendment. But the other is the way this thing came down. Joe Biden was out on his on the campaign and he's not been out that much. And a voter challenged him on the on the uh, question of Hyde. A video was rolling and he said he would uh, reverse that policy. Uh, then the next day, the campaign or when it when it became to light, the campaign put out a statement and said, no, he still believes in the Hyde Amendment. Then there was a furor. And last night he he flipped again. So that was a flip flop flip. 
which is never a good thing in politics. And it raises questions about uh, his own performance and his own steadiness and his campaign's performance. So uh, this was not a good, uh, you know, beyond the issue itself, this was not a reassuring episode for the Biden campaign. Flip flop flip, also known as a triple axle rod. Um, but it, <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> All right, that's good, Allison Camerata. There we that's go. Funny. There we go. Okay, so uh, John, I, I think that this point goes out on the on the bigger issue of um, consistency in politics. I, I, I want to contrast this with President Trump as an example. Okay, it is undeniable that early in his political career, President Trump was. Well, Political career. Yes, that's anyway. I'm sorry. His, well, pu his public, public persona, life. Yes. Public life. Uh, a lot of people forget that Donald Trump had considered running. He had flirted with a White House bid as early as 2000. Right. As a Reform Party candidate. He was giving a famous interview in, I think, either 99 or 2000 with uh, then Tim Russert, who mm -hmm. was the head of Meet the Press at the time. And when he was in that position, he was asked about abortion. And you have to remember the culture of abortion in the late 90s. I know you remember, John, I'm not saying you, mm. but the listeners have to remember. Um, in 1995 and 1997, Bill Clinton had vetoed a ban on partial birth abortion. Several times. So th the issue of abortion was actually highly in the news. And there was actually a question for a while, John, of, of if the legislature was actually going to override President Clinton's veto. If, the, if Congress this. would override his veto, yeah. Yeah, it, and there was a lot of discussion. I mean, it was abortion politics are very heated and very intense now, but back then you have to realize that we were fighting even just to ban partial birth abortion. There was, there was incredibly um, passionate, I'll put it politely, debates between uh, the senator from Pennsylvania, Rick Santorum, and our... How do I say this delicately? Our, our, our less than intelligent senator from California, Barbara Boxer. Yeah. Who, Barbara Boxer was absolutely disgusting and despicable. I mean, I'll be honest, in the way that she talked about partial, partial birth abortion mm -hmm. and saying that essentially there was no restrictions. She, she believed that there was literally nothing that the government could do to infringe upon a woman's right to abortion. Mm hmm. Biden even voted for that at the time. As we as voted we for the ban, voted for the ban. For the ban. Yeah, he yes. voted for the ban, as we said in a previous segment. Um, and yet, Trump, in the midst of all of that, when he was asked about partial birth abortion, because it was something that was in the news, um, Chuck Todd, not Chuck Todd, excuse me, Tim Russert, former host, had said, "What is your position? Do you do you support partial birth abortion?" And he said, "Look, I'm very pro-choice. You know, I've always been pro-choice. You mm -hmm. know, I, I." He essentially endorsed. President Clinton's position at the time. And yet, over the course of time, he did not flip flop flip. He said, "You know what? I've learned. I've I've studied this position. I've come to change my mind." And he actually now is very pro-life. And he was mm -hmm. consistent. This is probably John the most consistent position that he has held since announcing for president. Probably, yeah. And the one that he's probably been the most consistent on in the implication the implementation. Perhaps, yeah. I'd say so. So th the reason I say is not that a candidate can't change, but you can't just change like literally overnight and hold like three positions over the course of 48 hours because you're getting pressure from different groups. And, and it really does speak to the fact uh, is that what, what does that mean for Biden? Does that, I, I don't think you can basically this incident shows that you can't trust him on any issue. Yeah, I mean, he's 
seems perfectly willing to completely change his mind at the drop of a hat. I mean, and for better or for worse, Bernie Sanders, similar to Donald Trump, has basically been unchanging on a lot of issues. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I don't like his positions. I think they're all bad, but it's totally different. So, all right, folks, we'll come back. We have one final segment on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller, closing out today's super show on Joe Biden and the craziness of the Democrats' position on the Hyde Amendment. Just to recap, in case you missed one of the first segments of the show, or you're watching this video out of order and you don't know what the heck the Hyde Amendment is, essentially it was an agreement, a compromise in the 1970s uh, put forth by then-Congressman Henry Hyde that essentially banned U.S. government funding from directly paying for abortions, federal government funding. As John mentioned in the first segment, it's it's still possible for these groups to, or, or for abortions to be paid for by state dollars. But, I mean, I mean, John, this seems to be kind of like the lowest level common denominator of pro-life, pro-choice agreement, which is we vehemently disagree about this issue, but at least we won't make you pay for it. Yeah, well, it, it, it reflected the older pro-choice uh, mindset of abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. And we weren't, and rare was actually taken at least somewhat seriously uh, by everyone on the left, this idea that we don't actually want to promote policies that will make the incidence of abortion more common. Uh, so we're not going to pay for it with your taxpayer dollars. And that mantra of safe legal rare which even bill clinton endorsed has been replaced by the mantra of abortion needs to be safe legal and accessible and you don't hear people say safe legal and rare anymore now all you hear is safe legal and accessible safe legal and accessible and that means if there's any barrier to you accessing abortion for example you can't afford it um we will knock that barrier down uh and force other people to pay for your abortion or whatnot so uh, taxpayers to pay for your abortion. So it's um, it's pretty bad. Uh, it, it's it's bad that even Biden, who was maybe one of these last holdouts, uh, with among really prominent Democrats in favor of the Hyde Amendment, that now he himself has turned, and he being the Democratic front runner, um, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I, uh, the thing, John, for me to think about is that. <laughs> People seem to forget, and and maybe they're just expecting that the country has really evolved this much in only nine years. But people seem to forget that in 2010, there was a debate on uh, the Affordable Care Act, 2009-2010. There was a gentleman, a congressman named Bart Stupak. Ah, yes. Good old Bart Stupak. And the entire reason that Bart Stupak and the the caucus of pro-life Democrats, including in, former Senator Joe Donnelly, yes, which gives me such great delight. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, yes, but but the entire reason that there was this coalition of of blue dog Democrats, pro-life Democrats, that pro-life Democrats, pro, pro-life Democrats well, with air quotes, they, but but in this sense, they actually were standing in the way of healthcare reform. They were mm-hmm. they were stopping Obamacare from becoming law. And what was their beef? What was the singular beef that they had with the bill? It was the fact that Obamacare would 
contain funding for abortion, that it would pay for abortion, that it would have abortion mandates, that it would cover abortion and all these plans. And the only reason they ultimately voted for it was because of the backstop of the Hyde Amendment. And this is what Michael Ware, who worked in the uh, White House at the time, uh, he was a member of the Obama White House in 2009 and 2010. Mm -hmm. He says, to be clear, if Biden's new position on Hyde or that of any other 2020 Democrat was the position the Democrats had on Hyde in 2010 during Mm -hmm. the Obamacare debate, there would be no Affordable Care Act and millions of women would not have health insurance. And some progressive says, you don't know that. And he says, actually, I was working in the White House on the ACA at the time. I have a pretty good idea. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, that's definitely it's unfortunately true. Uh, I think Obamacare still wound up funding abortion to a pretty great extent, uh, given that it's funding all these insurance plans that that it's subsidizing all these insurance plans that cover abortion. So the idea that it's like, oh, well. Well, it's not directly funding abortion through Medicaid. Well, okay, you're you're funding all these health insurance plans that also happen to cover abortion. So it's still a massive increase in federal dollars going towards abortion. But his point is well taken that without the Hyde Amendment, there the Affordable Care Act would have never passed. Um, and yeah, the Hyde Amendment is this really important thing in our politics. And it's really important in affirming this basic principle that we should at least respect the consciences of our opponents enough to not force them to have to pay for this thing that they find to be a moral monstrosity. Uh, The modern pro-choice side does not care. The modern pro-choice side basically says uh, respecting the right to abortion is a positive good. Um, If you disagree with that, then you are offending, you, you are violating the rights of women and you are engaging in violence against those women by denying them the right to have an abortion and if you're denying them any ability to access their right to have abortion even by not paying for this abortion with your taxpayer dollars that we're going to take from you at the point of a gun uh then you're engaging in misogyny and evil so so yeah this is a huge significant shift uh hillary clinton's candidacy in 2016 was the first step of it, and it seems like if Biden, if Joe Biden is going to go that way, then basically support for the Hyde Amendment among Democrats is now dead. And, and so I will say this um, uh, delicately. I, I'm, I'm making this just as an observation, John. I, I don't know how the Democratic Party walks back from this unless there is a pro-life alternative on the stage in the debates moving forward. Because if this if this becomes the de facto position... I mean, I'll just be honest. I don't see how any, I don't, okay, how do I put this carefully? The um, it, it seems difficult for a pro-life person to fit in yes, among the Democratic the, Party there, anymore. There has been, there's been a long. If you, if you really care about the pro-life position, if you think it is as fundamental as we say it is. There's been a long discussion and debate, and on a future episode, John, we teased this last episode, and we will be, uh, we'll be continuing to talk about it on a future episode of the, the issues of integralism versus classical liberalism. And I promise we're actually going to get to that discussion. It'll, yeah, be, yeah, yeah. it'll be a knockdown drag out um, Catholic versus Protestant discussion, which I, I actually think we're probably more in agreement than we probably, disagree. Probably. Uh, but we, there's a lot of discussion on, on that, but the Catholics and uh, social justice Catholics, I'm thinking of a lot of the um, 
the blue dog Democrats and historically uh, progressive, not historically progressive, socially conservative members of labor unions, for example. A lot of the people that helped Donald Trump win the presidency in 2016, people in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. The reason that a lot of those people could not bring themselves to vote for Hillary Clinton because was because of the fact that she had come out in opposition to the Hyde Amendment in 2016 mm-hmm. and similar extremist positions like that. Um, the The reality is, I'm gonna I'll, I'll read not the entire tweet thread, but a couple of things um, that Matthew Hawkins, a friend of mine from uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, said. He said the flip-flop of Joe Biden on the Hyde Amendment can't be overstated in terms of ramifications for his general election prospects. Politically speaking, he's put himself in an even worse position than Hillary in relation to candidate Trump. Uh, he says, as we'll see, he says at the time, many of us were, I'm sorry, setting aside Trump's reputation on personal morality as a candidate. He argued more forcefully against abortion in that debate against Hillary than maybe any other presidential candidate before him. That's probably true. Hillary didn't moderate at all, even when advised to do so. At the time, many of us were skeptical for many reasons about Trump's commitment to the pro-life cause and his trustworthiness on that or any issue. (laughs) Yeah. At the time, Hillary's campaign only had to fight campaign rhetoric. Biden's situation is very different. Presuming a general election of Trump v. Biden, Biden will not only be up against campaign rhetoric, he'll be up against what will be three plus years of observable policy deliverables made by the Trump administration. Right. The pragmatist pro-lifers will have a stronger case than they did in 2016. Uh, Trump has certainly delivered in the judicial space, including two justices at SCOTUS. Health and Human Services is implementing pro-life regulation or reducing pro-abortion presumptions whenever they can. Mm-hmm. And don't discount what it means that a Trump and Vice President Pence are the only president, vice president, to make visible appearances at the March for Life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Biden, along with the Dem Party platform, now abandons what the legislative scrimmage line is on the federal level, no taxpayer funding for abortion. Set aside for a moment, the congressional GOP and Trump admin did nothing to codify Hyde when they had a chance, which is a legitimate frustration. Yeah. Instead of having it be statute, it's still an amendment. The unprecedented pace of 2019 state legislation on both sides is sure to keep the abortion issue front and center in 2020. If Dems had any hope of attracting even moderately pro-life Americans disaffected by the rest of Trump's baggage, those hopes are presently dead. But who knows? Lots of politics between now and the general. There's always pro-life Dem for 2020 effort to draft somebody. Democrats still have a time to choose the direction of their party. The failed hardline model of not President Hillary or the direction of Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards, who actually signed a heartbeat bill. Yes. We'll see. I uh, can only hope. It's going to be interesting, John. And I have a feeling this is going to be the the first of many, many, many shows where we're talking about the Hyde Amendment and Joe Biden. We will be back next week, though, to talk about this and other topics. I'm Jonathan Keller. I'm John Girardi. Talk to you next time on Life, Family, Liberty.